moment's time. After seven rounds, we're still waiting for the Raw to finally show their true identity. But for now, we do know that this is the Brisbane Football Review. It's James, Scott and Adam here for another week. Guys, how are we? Good, James. Are you sure we haven't seen it? Well, I hope not. But <laughs> yeah, I'd hope not. Things were going good until Sunday, and it was just a complete abomination. So, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it was a pretty bitterly disappointing Sunday afternoon. All right, well, there's Adam summing up what, what was we were going to do for the next hour. 7-1 or something over the two games? Yeah, actually, it was a pretty... What a fun afternoon. Mm. Yeah, so uh, we're here for the Daily Football Show Fan Network. I'll run through the contact information. Uh, email brisbanefootballreview at gmail.com. Uh, Facebook is The Raw Review. We're still trying to change that to Brisbane Football Review. Don't ask. Uh, Twitter is at BNE Football. Uh, and I did the email already, and you're listening to the podcast on one of our five platforms. And today I am brought to you by about eight cups of coffee after... Uh, covering the Champions League at my day job this morning. So if I seem a little bit loopy, forgive me. <laughs> yes. No more so than usual. Well, <laughs> yeah, when I'm right. r- running on about a combined total of 12 hours sleep in the last three nights, it does kind of catch up to you. Scott, how are you going? I'm good, James. Compared to that, I'm going okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but what can I say? Apart from the Raw, of course. Yes, well, let's get into the Raw. And we're going to start off with the... Uh, club's final game of the weekend, which was Sunday afternoon down in Newcastle, as the A-League side went down 2-0 to the Newcastle Jets. There were goals from Kane Shepard in 45-plus, and then Jair just before the hour mark, and, well, the Raw tried, but they couldn't score a goal, which um, left them with their second clean sheet of the... Well, second goalless effort of the season, if I remember yep, correctly. That's correct. Yes, as Adam's nodding to remind me. Um... Yeah, so the big question going into the game was, would Adam Taggart start? He obviously was named in the 18-man squad and travelled down to Newcastle. But as it was revealed pre-game, he was going to be limited to a cameo off the bench for the final 20 or so minutes. And that led to Enrique being named as a striker. And we would debate this, but we'd all be on the same side and have covered Do you want to defend this selection this week or not, Adam? Um, look, I just, I just got to think simply... Given you were on the, on the side of this idea last week. Well, I just think that... I'm so um, glad you remembered that. <laughs> that Yeah, that, that again, you know, it's obviously John Lewis going for the conservative, safe option um, of having the experience against, sort of, you know, taking a gamble and starting Dylan Wenzel Halls and... Uh, or Nick D'Agostino. Yeah, or, yeah, or Nick D'Agostino yeah. and, and Dare. And I think it's it sort of was a bit, yeah, a bit conservative, I think, for the word I'm looking for. One week you'll trust the young players. One week. But not this week. Or not last week, anyway. I I didn't like it. I think when we yep. were talking before the game, we were all pretty much in agreement that Enrique is... If he's going to be playing striker, it's better to happen in the final 20 or so minutes of a game when you're trying to chase a goal, whether it's mm. to put a game away or close in on deficit. And even then, as a second striker... Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. It, Love it him, but he's not a striker. The, yeah. Not from the start. No, and if he is going to start, I'd much rather see him out on the wing. And as he, even though he's a little bit older than, yeah. and maybe past his best years, he's still capable of you know being 
in the right position at the right time. And given the production the Raw have gotten from a couple of their players in those positions this year, you can make a strong argument he could start in one of those positions as well. Thank you for something I flagged for segment four. But <laughs> what we got? Yeah, obviously we've already touched on it right now. Personally, for me, I would have actually started Nick D'Agostino. I think he's a little bit more embedded with the Raw and left Wenzel Halls and Taggart on the bench as two attacking options to come off. I guess if you've got Wenzel Halls and Taggart on the bench, it's a bit of surplus in terms of they're both pretty much out-and-out strikers. Then or you've got, Enrique and Taggart. And who else was on the, there's another attacker on the bench as well, whose name I'm forgetting. Was it? Wasn't there someone else? It doesn't matter anyway now. But I'm, having both of them on the bench would have been a little bit of overkill, so I kind of understand that, but I just think if Taggart's only fit for 20 minutes, you might as well just give him the full game off. And to bring Dave. him on at 2 0 down with 20 minutes to go, I mean, I didn't see the point in that. If he got injured in that game on Sunday, yeah. it's already kicked off with the whole manager situation. It would have been 10 times worse if your star striker gets injured in essentially junk time. And it is putting Taggart, I suppose, at a little bit of a risk where he's obviously got ambitions on the Asian Cup, uh, making the squad for that. But even if he doesn't make that Asian Cup side, he's still got to come and play, what, I think it's like eight games in about five weeks for the Raw or something ridiculous like that. And, you know, as we've said in the past, this entire team is built around a healthy Adam Taggart. Yeah, look, I I wouldn't have... um, If he was only limited to play 20 minutes, I question why he even got on the plane and went down Newcastle. What was the point of it? Yeah, exactly. What, What was the point of it? You know... And then this may be a case of player power a little bit and saying, oh, I need to play because I'm my soccer is ambitions. But you know what? At the end of the day, his welfare beyond, you know, a Hail Mary's chance of, I know, I know Graham Arsler, he's in, in the picture, but so are, so are, you know, five or six other strikers, you know, and, and that's the thing is, he obviously has an obligation to the club. So I don't know why they didn't show the strength. If he can only play 20 minutes, why even put him on the plane to, to Newcastle? I totally agree with your point there, Adam, but can we just put a ban on Hail Mary's today. I was about to say, just calm down. It's not that sort of Hail Mary, James, but I don't think it's player power in terms of Taggart saying he wants to play because of the Asian Cup. I think it's more John Lewis who's proven over his time here and at Melbourne Hearts, so City, when his senior players are fit or close to fit, he's going to play them. At yeah, no, pretty true. much at the ex- that's what he's going to do. So Taggart was fit enough to sit on the bench, that's, he's going to put him on the bench. That's just the way he operates. Yeah, uh, and I feel like if there was... Maybe not so much at stake personally for Taggart, or if there was a bit more of a depth option, I would have actually almost said, you know, go out there from the start, run until you can't go anymore, and then we'll bring on Enrique or Wenzel Halls or Daggers or whatever. All right, so a note I made early in the game, Newcastle were left mostly to resort to 20-plus yard shots, but they did look dangerous when they went into the box. Like yeah. that, that was the only chance I really remember them having for most of the first half hour. Though, then again, you know, when you've got a guy like Dimi Petrados, you know, who can, who can consistently fire from 20-plus yards, I don't know if that's exactly, you know, uh, you know non, non-threatening. That's a uh, thing. But, yeah, look, that's, it was a case of um, up until the goal, it was, other than a few chances, it was, was pretty much even. And it, it, was, it was really sort of, you know, putting, you know, looking like a nil all until... Yeah. I will, yeah. I will consider I only had one mm. eye on this game given there were two teams playing at the same time, but mm. I don't recall any chances of significance other than the Botiak save yeah, from well, Moss yeah. until the goal. That yeah. was pretty much the only two chances I can recall from the first half. The rest of it was pretty much a dogfight yeah, between well, two sides yeah. trying to find form. It was a bit of a desperation derby style where both teams didn't want to make that critical mistake, but in the end it was Newcastle actually took their chance, and it was, again, Kane Shepard? Yes. Yep. 
Yeah, it was a bit of a poacher's finish. But one thing that jumped out to me, I think it was John Cosmina on the Fox coverage at halftime, actually singled out Tobias Minkelson for not tra- tracking back. Did you see that? In the like, Obviously, you would have watched the highlights. A little bit, yeah. I just think defensively as a team, they're all switched off at certain times, and it's yeah. becoming a big problem. I mean, you'll talk about the second goal in a minute. That's another classic example of it. I mean, from a corner, you just the only player moving, the ball goes to the back post from a corner, it's cleared, Mackay goes to strike, and he's the only player moving. Everyone else is staring at him watching. The shot hit Mackay's follow-up shot gets blocked, and Newcastle's away on the counter-attack, and it's like four on two. This is the second goal. Yeah, just switching off defensively. It's, I just it's thought, routinely happens yeah. multiple times in a game, and it's costing them at the moment. I just thought that second and goal Nicholson summed up. Nicholson is part yep. of that as opposed to not just him, but the whole team switches off at times. Yeah. It's a problem. It's, it happened happened against Wanderers. It happened, um, just trying to think of the other. Okay. Obviously, it happened you know, against Mariners in week one where they switched, well, probably switched off slash overcommitted mm. to to try and play too far forward. And, and But it's it's these suspensive lapses. Yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong. And you know, you've been hearing, obviously, a lot of commentary with people trying to figure out what's wrong with the raw. They're pointing out to, def- to you know, defensive deficiencies. I don't think it's a deficiency. I think we still got a decent back four. The problem is they have momentary lapses, and those lapses are so bad that you know they're, they're conceding goals on them. That's not just the back four, either. It's yeah, the whole exactly, team. Yeah, exactly. No. And that's yeah. one thing that we're actually seeing as well, just with the overall standard of the A-League as well, where... You know, maybe five, six, seven years ago, you could get away with yeah. a couple of those positioning mistakes or maybe not, you know, uh, completely clearing a ball out. But now it seems like the standard of the opposition has gotten just that much better that they are able to punish you if you keep giving them a chance. Yep. Yeah. But one thing I'm actually... Well, we're talking about the defensive uh, troubles. Just having a quick look at the goals conceded. They haven't actually given given up more than two goals in a game. They haven't, but they are also... They're only winning... What is it? They are they are ninth in the league for duels one, and they win less than 50% of them. Yeah. That's a problem. I mean, that's like a contest player for player, for people who maybe slightly confused. That's a contest between two players going for the ball. The opposition players are winning it more often than not. Yeah. I, I'm just saying, like, this should be a side that, with that attacking talent, you've got Bortiak, you've got Taggart, even with the injuries you've suffered with Mork and Brett Holman, who we are going to get to a little bit later... You should still be able to find a way to get two goals more often than not. Well, this is why I said on Sunday on on our social media accounts, it's it's plenty of talent in this team, but the results aren't there. There's something. There's I don't know what it is that's missing. It's just there's something missing in this team at the moment. It's not why well, it's not coming together, and yeah, it's getting a bit of a concern. I just thought that Jair goal summed up the Raw's yeah. afternoon perfectly. Mackay goes in for a challenge and winds up accidentally setting up the entire passage. Like it was, and it was one of those things where his mind yeah. and everything was in the right place. It just took the wrong bounce off his foot. Still, to me, he's the only player who reacted to that clearance from the Jets from the raw corner. Everyone else was standing around. That's that's a problem as well. At risk of opening up a can of worms on this, I know know he got clattered. Should have VAR looked at it? You read my mind, Adam. Oh, very good. Or at least a run sheet. (laughs) (laughs) You know the VAR is not reliable anyway. I come up with something. Look, that's one of those things where, it, to me, it looked like a 50-50 call for a foul. It's not the sort of thing that I necessarily want VAR to rule on. Yeah, no, I agree. It's got to look at it because it's a, in a passage to play with a goal, but obviously there's still nothing wrong with it. So, Yeah, I, I, yeah. considering what else was let go on that day, including Daniel Bowles avoiding a second yellow. Mm. He should have gone too, actually. Yeah, if well, he didn't have a yellow cut, he would have got one for that. Yeah, although my only argument against that is, with the standard that was set for his first yellow card, it was. Given some of the other challenges that were actually let go, it wasn't. So it's one of those inconsistent refereeing things. But quite frankly, 
the, out of everything going on in the afternoon, the refereeing was way down the list of yeah. issues. It was. Yeah. And in the post game as well, Kasmina uh, said the rule missing a guy like Ramad Akbari, uh, at least having that, having the legs in midfield to really drive at the opposition. I'm not sure I necessarily agree with that, but it's, it's one of those theories that does kind of, at least if you're just thinking about it from 10,000 feet, does kind of make a little bit of sense. I don't know if it's missing Akbari, but does certainly need a legs in midfield issue. That is an issue. Yeah. In general, that's an issue at the moment for the rule. Not, uh, not enough legs for the side in the front third. I don't know pinpointing Ramak Barrett because he's the one that, yeah. that jumped ship to go in Melbourne victory as, you know, oh, you've, you've lost your save. You know, I, I don't think at all because, you know what, you've got those sort of players on the bench anyway. You've got Daningham, you've got a Dylan Wenzel Halls that could have could have made that running. So the fact that they didn't and didn't manage it, like, it's, it's a spurious comment at best, you know, to stir up a bit and of, you know, discussion. Based on what we were talking about before as well, even if they had a Ramadak Bari in the squad, would he be starting over Matt Mackay in that uh, attacking midfield no, role? No. You could play Joe Coletti in there for that sort of role. Yeah. There's players at the club who can fill that role that Akbari could fill. Who, you know, just as a tease for segment two when we do cover the youth league. Boy, was he impressive. He was. But, okay, there is obviously the big topic that's been going on the last few days, at least with the Raw fan base, that... I kind of want to. I want to get to, but I want to take a little bit of a different approach to it because, look, we can all whinge and moan for an hour and everything, but oh, that, you're taking away our fun. Well, that's not fun for me, and I'm the host, so <laughs> deal with it. On a scale of one to ten, exactly how much short-term pressure is there on Aloisi and his staff to turn things around? Because right now it's what one win and t- uh, how many three draws? One win in the last ten, going back to the end of last season. I thought it was one win in nine. Wasn't include the elimination final. Wasn't it one win in nine last week, or is it... No, I think it's one win in nine this week, because I did a count yesterday and today at work for the preview, so... Okay. Yeah. You can't in the cup in that? Pardon? You can't in the cup in that? Yeah. Okay. So I've got, yeah, the elimination final, because I beat Perth in round 27. You've got the FFA Cup and then seven rounds. That's right, yep. So, yeah, ten's a much better number to use, because it's nice and round, but anyway... (laughs) Honestly, your question is like at least an eight, pushing up to an eight and a half. It's a very warm seat at the moment. Given the expectations of the of the playing group put together, the performances aren't there. I'm gonna I'm gonna split that in into two mm-hmm. because I think is there pressure expectation um, on the club as particularly the coaching staff and players? Yes, I reckon it's an eight or nine. Mm. But John Elwisi himself, I reckon it'd be about five. I don't think he feels the pressure. I think he I think he knows that um, that he is all but safe. As long as he keeps that dressing room, I think he is safe and no matter how much the fans, the, the, the Twitterati, everyone else on social media, you know, jumping up and down saying, you know, Alois he out, Alois he out. You know, as long as he keeps that dressing room, I think he's safe. I think if social media uh, dictated football manager appointments, there'd be a new one every two weeks. Exactly. Now, when you say you uh, keep the dressing room, this is something that stood out from a Jamie Young press conference yesterday and I want to throw yeah. to this grab right now. I give my best 100%. And I'll tell you now, I think there's other people in our change room who will as well. So we back this manager 100%. You know, for me personally, he's, he's signed me on contracts. I've had goalkeeper of the year under him. He's given me a chance of life. We back him 100%. So, you know what? That's the only thing I aim for. So that's obviously a very passionate Jamie Young there saying that he's still very much behind John Aloisi as coach of the Brisbane Roar. And Look, that that certainly sounded genuine to me, but I suppose he wasn't also going to come out and say, I think he's incompetent yeah. and should be sacked. You never ask a player about a coach because they're, yeah. not gonna, they're never yeah. going to give you... If, even if they did feel negatively about a coach, they're never going to say it because they want that coach to pick them for the next game. So 
Yeah, but look... It was interesting he just came out and said that. He wasn't even asked that question. He did totally come across as very genuine for that. Yeah, that's that's sort of the point I was going to make. It's very, very easy to go, oh, yeah, I back the coach, and I think he's doing a job, and blah, blah, blah. But that that, Jamie Young piece there, you can tell there's sort of passion in that, and I think he genuinely believes that, and I think think it is the case. I think that the dressing room is fully behind John Alwissi, no, and like I said, and the fans are right to to be asking questions. They're absolutely right, because nothing has changed in over a year. They're in the yeah. same spot as they were twelve months ago, and supposedly this is a better, this is a much better squad. There are all the resources are unta- untouched, you know, pre-season basically. So the, the fans have the right to ask the question, but I don't think he's going anywhere. As a fan, I have plenty of questions about what's going on yeah. right now. Where, mm, absolutely, like, as it on paper, this squad is very talented and should be doing better than they are now. I, except we could be looking back at this in mid to late April and saying this is like this was just a bit of a blip on the radar as they start to come together. But this is a squad that's been for the well, most part. Move on. Adam said he doesn't think he's going anywhere. But there are some quotes. I was going to circle back to that. We are going to, which we'll get to, but which indicate to me it's more likely than what I think you're suggesting. I think it's, I think it's on the table given those quotes. But anyway, the famous vote of confidence. Yes. Yeah. Well, pretty much all I was going to say was right now, like. This is a side that should be doing better than it is. I think even the players, you know, will say we should be winning more games than we are. But I'm sure everybody from Central Coast to Melbourne Victory and Perth <laughs> saying that they should be be winning more games than they have. Yeah. Oh, look at the, at the end of the day. You know, like I said, this is a side that is only one and one win one draw outside of the top six. Look, maybe maybe Perth and and Melbourne Victory have cleared out the top for the moment. So maybe maybe the premiership hopes are, well, are sort of out, sort of out off in the distance. But as far as making the finals go, you know they they win three in a row, and we're not even talking about it. But what's the expectation? Is is this making the finals good enough? Is that Look, what Bruce Menor have gone back to now? Top I mean, four. because for for a long time their top four was a minimum expectation, pushing into top two, hosting finals, important finals, semi finals, and all the rest of it. Oh, I'm, I'm I mean, sal- I saw on the Fox oh, and oh, yeah. they salvaged the season last year by making six. Who cares? No, no, no. no you not. lost week one of the finals. And I mean, I'm it's great that you made it all the rest that. of it, but that's the club surely should aspire to more than just making the finals. I think you they should. You've yeah. win, like, get through the, in the finals, get through the first week at least. Yeah, I just think, I think there needs to be something changed, but I do want to touch on one news story, because okay, yeah. like, we are like getting close yeah. to about 20 minutes for this, so I want to oh, keep... Okay. So I want to keep it going, but there was a news story. Uh, I think we shared the Channel 9 news link, yes? Is this the AAP story? Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, okay, so it's an AAP story about, yeah. sorry, that could have been Ed, I'm guessing, yep. that uh, Chris Fong has come out and said Aloisi has the full support of the board. Read that what you will. No. Yes. Well, look, to, to be honest, Chris Fong is the, is the harbinger of negativity of news from Brisbane Raw. You know, when, was, when was the last time we heard from him? I can tell you when it was. It was early January over Jersey Gate. That's the last time I've heard from Chris Fong. Did we hear from him then, did we? Yeah, he, okay. he was the one who blamed Craig Moore. Oh, that's right. For, okay. for that. So, look, that at was the our highest I'm not even fully convinced that Chris Fong speaks for the board. I know he's the vice chairman and people seem to go crazy about what he says. But look, when was the last time that Chris Fong actually said anything positive about the club? the club that he's supposedly the vice chairman of. Well, so, he's been operating in the background for the yeah, last three to years. Take, so. to take it for what you will. I don't, I don't think this whole you know, chairman, the board's approval thing, I don't think that washes in Australian football, to be honest. I, it's not, it's yeah. not the English Football League. I, so, for me, the big thing, though, is right now, it's still, at least he's still got half of his contract to go, mm-hmm. and 
I, for me, the, I don't think that they can actually get rid of him. Like, this is all hypothetical, yeah. saying that they do want to move on. I don't think they can get rid of him uh, now, un, uh, probably before the Febu- late February international break. And that's just purely because if you're going to bring in a new manager, you want to give them a little bit of time. And if you look at the schedule of games in yeah. January, they're playing twice a week. So it is a very busy run. And quite honestly, I... Yeah, I think in John Aloisi's mind, he firmly believes he is the guy to turn around the Brisbane rule right now. And, oh, look, he's not short of confidence. That's all I'm going to say. I forgot what I was going to say, actually. Really? It's my job to be the senior freak <laughs> on this one. I forgot what I was going to say now. It was something but, I can't remember anyway. It doesn't matter. Look, I don't... I don't blame anyone for being frustrated mm. with Aloisi yeah. and the results that have happened over the last year and a half. Once again, it's my watch tells me to breathe. But for me right now, this is what you've got. You may as well make the most of it. Like, bottom line is, while John Aloisi is a coach of the Brisbane Roar, I want, them, I want him to do well because he is a Brisbane Roar coach. If and when he takes his next job in Australian yeah. football, if it, or in any football yeah. club, if it's not with one that I support... Really don't carry the way, but while he's managing my club, I still want him to do well. And if they are actually considering a change, and we don't know if they are or they're not, but if they are, you'd want them to actually have some planning about it. You don't just want them to like release him from his dues and just throw someone in or back. You want them to actually go out and find the ideal person to replace him. I'm not even sure who where you would start with that search. I just want to make yep. one one quick point. I'm trying to go too long on this, but the problem <laughs> is is that this is this is not the English Football League, where you yeah. can sack a coach after five months. Because what's a new coach going to do? You can't go around sacking players or, or sending them off to the reserve team to, to rot or out on loan. You're stuck with the same 23 players. So what's, what's a new coach, especially one that's inexperienced, going to do that John Ellison can't do? You could rule them out with illness for six months. Well, <laughs> no, we have seen in the past when... Managers have changed. You can always do the whole mutual termination thing, swapping players, all the rest. You can. There are ways around that. You can find a way. And you'll have a problem with the PFA. Yeah, you're not. You will not be able to change it's much happened, of that side. I know it's happened, but you're not going to be able to have ten mutual terminations in January, and then bring in ten players. That's that's a sort of scale. That's what people are expecting. They're expecting. I'm not sure about that. Coming. I don't think people expect that much change. Oh, oh, well, ten was an arbitrary number, yeah. but I'm saying they want significant change. They want you know basically every player that's old, too old to. No, to disappear. It doesn't work like that in Australia. Everyone on the wrong side of 30. But that yeah. being said, you still need that senior leadership in the, yeah, in the squad. Hmm. And also, I, I think as we're seeing, you know, Bortiak's over 30. He can, he's probably been yeah. the best outfield player. Also. Actually, he and Lopez probably. I'd go with Lopez. Lopez has been yeah. really, really good. Just people aren't on the same wavelength with him yet. Yeah. To a certain extent. But that's what I mean. Like, I feel like not all's lost just purely because we've seen glimpses of what they can do. We just need to see them reach the potential. The that problem we is they've gone they through the supposedly easy part of the draw where they had Wellington and Central Coast mm, and yes. all the rest of it. Now they're playing Melbourne Victory and Sydney SC coming up and all the rest of it. This is the tougher part of the draw for the Raw. And they're chasing points, which means you're going to have to go up against the best teams and get points, which is well, something that hasn't happened much this season for other teams going against Victory and Perth. So, Well, look, they're going to have... It's either, you know, win or... Yeah. That's, that's pretty much it. Like, that's all that they can do right now. And... If Jamie Young's quote is accurate, and quite frankly, I have no reason to believe that it no. isn't, like this side has to just keep playing harder and execute better for their manager, who is, you know, who is under fire. And that's what we had to say about the Newcastle game. Yeah. <laughs> well, remember look, that game we were talking yeah. about ten minutes ago? Yeah, but I knew I, I knew we'd wind up going. But it's, anyway. fun, it's funny the how every time that we lose to Newcastle, that that you know it's almost like it's doom and gloom. 
Uh, like I said, and they've done that four times in the last year. In they've last won the last, year, last five season, Newcastle yeah. against the Raw. Yeah, so that's it's yeah. almost like we don't give them enough. We don't give them enough credit to constantly beat the Raw. That that's it. All right, I'm going to pull uh, pull up stumps on segment one right now. We'll be back after this to touch on the W League and the National Youth League. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And we're back on the Brisbane Football Review. We're here on a lovely Wednesday afternoon, uh, recording episode 17 of season three. It's James Scott and Adam, and I've got a fresh cup of coffee. So let's get into the W League discussion. And look, we, we've already covered the A League rough afternoon, but oh boy, that W League game, that was not pretty. 5-1 to Sydney FC. Scott? What went wrong? Well, this is the thing. The first half was pretty good. There were a lot of chances they had in the first half. It was very good in the first half. The second half, Sydney just ran right. Unfortunately, football is a game of two halves. Yeah, look, I actually think... You now, to, to be honest, 5-1 is not very pretty. But at the end of the day, I think this is the Sydney side that we thought when we were doing our predictions would show up. And they did. And they were merciless. Um, look, Caitlin Ford, you know, obviously proving that she's probably you know, the number two striker in the W League behind a certain um, Perth striker. But um, Rachel Hill you mean? <laughs> Andy Keo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you're both correct. Um, look but yeah, look it was one of those games where at one all, you know, in fifty minutes you thought, you know, this could go either way and then it was just a torrent yeah. and um, look Sydney were too good and, and to their credit they they took the chances and uh, look I don't know if Raw with that were that bad. They weren't that good in the second half either, but... Um, Sydney just hit the accelerator. They, yeah, yeah, they, they were a really talented team at home, desperate for three points that mm. they needed. They pulled on the afternoons in the second half and the Raw had no answers, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. well, we've seen them have those sorts of games yeah. though, over the last couple of years. Like As we mentioned, that was it Perth game up at... Uh, Newcastle. Uh, Newcastle. Newcastle, same. up at AJ yeah. Kelly yeah. Park. They, get, they got beat 4-0, but they probably should have been 4-0 up at half-time. Yeah. So. But that's what I mean, like... It is cyclical nature of the mm. women's game, yeah. though, where... And trademark infringement not intended okay. on the women's game. But, um, yeah, it, They're going to come after you. Oh, <laughs> yeah, bring it on. <laughs> um, I'm too tired to remember anything I'm going to say this afternoon. Anyway, um, yeah, it is that sort of cyclical nature of it, though, where you can you know be really flying one week after a pretty big away yeah. win in Newcastle, and then next thing you know, it's all coming crashing back down to earth. It is, and it's also, at Adam's point, this has happened with the Raw's team in the last couple of years a bit. They've had a couple of these performances, but they've always bounced back from them. So that's, if you're looking ahead to next weekend, I'd expect a bit of a bounce back from them, even though they are playing the league leaders. And that being said, they do also have, I suppose, that leadership in the team. You've got Polkinghorne, yeah. you've got Gorry. Well, no, well, no, Gorry, um, I think that was that was big yeah. for the Raw. Um, she she was, I think, rested. I think yeah. you know, she's struggling with, with injuries. She's had so. strapping on her, one of the, I think it's her right knee for a few weeks now. So yeah, and, I think and, just with the World Cup coming up as well, which we're going to get to, that's you take no risks with players like that. You want her fit for May, May June for the World Cup. Yeah, and I think everything that does happen this W League season does have to come with a little bit of the asterisk yeah. of how many of these players are preparing for a World Cup? Absolutely. But of course, there was a first goal for Yuki Nagasato. Yes. So another uh, goal scorer for the Raw W yes, League. Very nice finish as well. Yeah. They had a lot of good opportunities in the first half, so they just, again, didn't quite take them and 
Sydney were at some point ruthless in the second half. Yeah. Uh, look, I, I think you know I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too worried about um, the women the women at the moment. I think yeah, look, it's it's just a bad day at the office. Yeah. I think they'll bounce back if they they put together another couple of performances like this and score and so then yeah, it probably is a bit for Mel Andrea to worry about. But at the moment, look, you expect them to bounce back. There's still one game out of second as well, so they'll be. They're fine. still completely they're still completely in the mix for the finals, and this team is more than capable of going on the road in the finals and. Winning. Yeah. I mean, it's different to the A-League as well, because if you just making the finals in the W-League matters, because you're only one game away from a grand final then, as opposed to the A-League when you're two games away. So just getting in is important. All I will say is it is nice, you know, following a side that loses one game and it's not the end of the world yeah. with everybody flipping out. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that's... You're calling for Belichick out, are you? <laughs> 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 Had to bring it up, sorry. That was a low blow, Scott. Well done. <laughs> No, Wenger out. Oh, sorry, that's just an old force of habit. No, I think we've seen enough from this Raw W League side over the years to know that they've got a chance to bounce back, and it could possibly be Sunday afternoon when they host Melbourne Victory at Lions. So, if you're Mel Andretta, what are you saying to the side right now? Don't expect to bounce back. That's pretty much it, right? Weather weather permitting, assuming the game goes ahead. But, yeah, if you expect to bounce back from this side, they're more than capable. I know that Melbourne Victory have been very good to start the season, and they had the week off last week, but... The Roar are more than capable of beating this side. Yep, with the def- talent that they have. I, I just think just to, you know, defend tightly, don't leave the back back open and, and take your chances. I, yep. think that's, that's, I, think, I think that's been the, the whole narrative for the Raw women's side this season, I think, is, is, is just that. And I, look, I'm, I'm confident they'll bounce back. I like that. Score more goals than your opponent. Yeah. Pretty simple. All right. Now, we've got more women's football to come in the news segment. But right now, we're going to go on to Saturday morning out at Lions, where the three of us were in attendance for the Roar's Youth League side coming away with a pretty big win over Perth Glory, 2-1. Holding the fort this weekend, the youth team. Yeah. Hmm. Well, they did play very well. Actually. They had to bounce back from an early goal, from a penalty, which I didn't actually see because of the whole... The, um, the, yes. the sidelines. The media sideline yeah. from there wasn't the greatest down towards that goal, so I didn't actually see it. But Yes, but that's a trade-off you get for being really, really close to the pitch. And yes. as we learnt when Lions played Heidelberg in the... NPL national semi final, you can hear the opposition bench yelling at each other. Yeah. It's always fun when you can hear that. That was awesome. Anyway, but back to the game on Saturday. So, yep. uh, Raw youth team manager Drew Sherman had this to say after the game. Yeah, listen, I think it was today we we're obviously a little bit older and more experienced than we have been uh, in terms of the starting lineup. So, it was really about getting minutes into the legs of some of our young A League squad players. Um, I think that first half we, we were very, very good. And obviously, because of match sharpness and the number of players that we had, we sort of, um, you know, we sort of died a little bit in terms of in terms of our levels of fitness. But you know, the pleasing thing is that even when we were tired and we we had, um, you know, uh, players that were struggling, uh, we were still resilient and able to not only come back from one goal down, but then hold on to our two-one lead. So that's obviously a very happy Drew Sherman with the way that his side. Uh, came back. So, with the penalty early on, so Steph Negro was playing at uh, left back for the Raw, yep. so obviously ruling him out of uh, action on Sunday. And he was marshalling the glory winger. I forget his name. Which it was re- Daniel Steins. Daniel Steins, okay. So, he marshalled him down to the byline on the attacking right-hand side. He tried to put a cross into the box and it hit Steph Negro's hand and that was pretty much it. Yeah. Again, I have no idea what happened with it because I, I think Drew kind of thought it wasn't a penalty, didn't he? It was a harsh call. Yeah. Like, it's one of those ones where if it happens, you know, if you're the one getting awarded a penalty, you're happy with it. If it goes the other way, 
Yeah, I guess the important thing is they bounced back tremendously. Really quickly, yeah. too. Mm. Yeah, so there was a first goal by Shannon Brady, which made a certain member of the crowd very, very, very happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he was actually the most productive Brady on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> but it was good build-up play from Daniel Leck as well. So and I thought those two were a real thorn in Perth's side all game, like those two wingers. Yeah, again, they've got tremendous pace, both of those wingers. The um, concern over them is they haven't turned that into an end product consistently. And for the last couple of weeks, Shannon Brady has done that. Remember out at Ipswich when they played against Adelaide, he was very good as well. And I think he had a goal and an assist on Saturday. So he's starting to turn that, that uh, it's good moments in the front that into actual end product goals and chances created, which is, if he's going to make that next step into the A-League, that's what he needs to do. Yeah, absolutely. And so what, it's one well. thing to have the raw tools to play. You've got to con- got to convert that into actual end product. He's, he's starting to, Shannon Bray starting to look like the player that he was. Um, Did he show the potential of? Yeah, yeah they showed the potential yeah. before he still got the, the big the big contract, yeah. you know, for for the senior squad. So it's good to see that. You know, I know it's been a sort of tough time with injury and sort of sort of lack of opportunities and whatnot. So it's good to see him put up. Put together, Daniel Leck on the other hand as well, very very good. Yep. Um, but I think it's just important for the raw for the raw taking players at the moment. Obviously, with issues in the senior side with scoring goals, these these yeah. um, kids slash you know sort of young adults yep. footballers, um, they they really need to stand up and be counted because I think at some point if things don't start going the way, they may be the alternative. They're ten years younger than me. I can call them kids. Yeah. <laughs> well, except yeah. Luke Devere, but. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, one player who actually did have a very good finish, though, was Mirza Muradovic with the second yeah. goal. He rifled that into the roof of the net after build-up play from Daniel Leck, was it? Um, no, it was... Take my notes. Was it Kaledi passable to me? Either way, it was a yeah. cracking finish into the top, like the roof of the net. I mean, the goalkeeper for Perth had a really good game as well. I mean, remember the first goal? He had goal, phenomenal saves, yeah. He had a great save from Muradovic for the first goal, which he somehow managed to keep out, and the ball just happened to drop to Shannon Brady. He almost kept that out as well. So fair play to the Perth Glory goalkeeper. We had an excellent game on Saturday morning, and, and also as well, uh, two you know hits of the woodwork from yep. one from Daniel Leck, the other one from Ollie Duncan. So, so yeah, look, you know the two-one result may be flattering sort of in a way because this should they should have been out of sight yep. at half time. But look, it was a very very good performance from not only the attacking side, but I think we also sort of haven't given too much mention to you know the yeah. forms of centre backs now and Reardon and looked a bit. So yeah, Aaron get... Reardon was very very good. We took, got quite some Devere coming up, but Reardon was very, very good in this Quotes game. Quotes on De Vier. Yeah. Quotes on De Vier, that's right. Yeah. But, yeah, the one other... I can't actually find where I left my notebook from Saturday. I took about two pages of notes, but sitting around, it's around here somewhere, don't worry. But the one note that I do remember saying, Joe Coletti is too good for the National Youth League. He's too good for the National he Youth League. He needs to force his way into the rural squ- A-League squad. I can't ima- I cannot... His situation to me is a classic case of mismanagement from the coaching staff, because he through um, absolute necessity was thrown into the team two years ago with the Champions League because of injuries to Christensen and Mackay, right? Yep. He held his own. In fact, he did more than held his own because Kashima targeted him and he was very he was able to withstand that. And he did well enough in the A-League as well. Since then, has he played? Not enough. He's barely played since then in the senior side, right? That's 18 months ago. So for 18 months after the well, he he, play breakthrough, he's barely played. last year. Yeah. I don't remember him playing much. Yeah, he played with Mackay. Yeah. Did he? Okay. Yeah. But anyway, that's... But he hasn't played enough to build on that really strong start that he had. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Well, that's just one thing I say. Now, uh, there were a few A-League players that uh, got a run in the side. Probably none more standout-y. That's not even a word, but... We'll go with it. Yeah, none 
none stood out more than Luke Devere. So this is what Drew Sherman had to say on the impact of Luke Devere on the game on Saturday. Yeah, that Luke, Luke was good. Like what he is, he's a fantastic character, and he uh, he organises and leads the team really well. It's nice to have uh, him. Uh, even alongside Aaron Reardon, who's, who's still a young player, even though he's in the A-League squad. Um, and I thought Luke, Luke did very well, which, which is, again, to be expected, he, he, he performed well today. So obviously they're very happy with the performance of Luke Devere there, and I think he and Aaron Reardon were you know, real rocks at the back. And what I really liked about that was the fact that when, the, when Perth were really pushing for that equaliser at the end, they held strong. Yeah, look, um, the only like, the only way that, that Perth seemed to, to have scored and to really put pressure on was, was through the penalty early on. But other than that, they weren't really trouble. And that's, again, Aaron Reardon and Luke Devere. Um, whether the former Luke Devere at the moment warrants him getting a start at senior level, look, we, we don't know what the situation is with that. So, But look, yeah. if he's just working his way back from injury now, then maybe another week in the youth league could yeah. be the way to do that. And speaking of which... The Raw have a game against Melbourne City until the weather decides to cancel it this weekend. <laughs> yes, yeah, Saturday afternoon down in Melbourne. It's first versus third, but, but the Raw are on top of the table at the halfway mark, so City are third. And it'll be actually an interesting game because when that's played up here a few weeks ago, it was essentially both teams, like under 17s teams. Like it was the weekend, the day of the soccer is game up here, and both sides played very young teams, and the Raw. Yeah, our kids the, were better than their kids. Exactly, they were able to get over the line. I think it'll be a different game this time. And I think Drew Sherman was quoted in his um, post-game press conference saying it's going to be a different game. So I didn't cut that audio up, so no. you'll just have to take our word <laughs> no, for it. You, you heard the full interview yeah. on our post-game show. Yeah, which, yes, there. you guys are doing yeah. a very good job with those. And good to have you as a guest on it. Yeah. Was it? Appearance? Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll say it is. Anyway, it's first versus third, and it's a big game for the Raw. But, um, if they are going to potentially go on and make the grand final, this is an important game. That's it. Thunder and Lightning Derby this weekend. All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with our new segment. We'll be back after this. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. And welcome back to the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam. And before we get into our new segment, Adam, you had something you wanted to read? Yeah, look, um, we... Sort of informed, uh, I think it was yesterday, the uh, passing of the Queensland Power, Power Chair Football Association President Tom Dixon, um, who passed away. And on behalf of everyone here at the Brisbane Football Review, we'd like to pass on condolences to his family and friends. Um, I do believe that there is a memorial next week. Uh, so obviously keep an eye out on social media pages for that. Um, but yeah, look, uh, sad news. And someone who was a, who was a, uh, a titan within that sort of that sort of um, part of the football committee and he's going to be sadly missed. Definitely. All right. Now, there's no real delicate way to transition into our new segment, so we're just going to have to pivot right to the Matildas World Cup draw. And they've been drawn in Group C with Brazil, Italy and Jamaica. And the first thing I thought was we're probably going to get to see the Matildas wearing both the uh, home kit and the green kit, which I actually quite like. So don't know at the World Cup they do this anyway because the Socceroos had to wear the green kit, the green kit for no reason whatsoever. In Russia, so they're probably going to do that anyway. No, they did have to wear it for a reason. It just wasn't a very good one. Yeah, where you can't have two well, dark FIFA kits. Said or two... so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Apparently, you can't have two dark kits and two or two light kits on the pitch. So obviously, the Socceroos gold and the Danish white. And... Still, every team, all all thirty-two teams had to wear their first and second kits in the group stage. So yeah, it's anyway. I did see someone joke that if you subbed out Italy for I think it was South Africa, you would have had the perfect mix of. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uniform. This is a really comfortable group, though, for the yeah. Matildas. Brazil's a team. I know that they beat them in in Rio on penalties, but they've had 
a tremendous run of success against them in the last couple of years. Decide they will not fear at all. Italy they've beaten in the past as well. And Jamaica is a great story, but there shouldn't be too much trouble for the Matildas. This is a group you look at and think, if they don't finish top of the group, something has gone wrong. Yep, and for me personally, like Brazil is the only stumbling yeah. block here. Oh, look, um, I think that it's sort of the ignorance of those who don't follow women's football too closely came out on Sunday morning when I heard words like group of death. You've got to be kidding me. Like, look, there's no disrespect to Brazil or Italy. And if this was men's, yeah. I'd say, yeah, we're in big trouble. Yeah. But in women's football, Australia are you know, a top six team in the world. They're the seed in this group. They're, they're, a seed, they're the seed in the group, and they're expected to go to the group. Um, you know, you, you'd think, you know, seven, seven out of nine, I think, would be a pass mark, you know, get yeah. through. But even so, you'd expect them to, at very worst, if things go very pear-shaped, you'd expect them to put a few goals on the reggae girls and at least get third place. Yeah, because so. a couple of third-place teams get through as well. Yeah. yeah. So you think even more, we, you think we, we, Brazil, we Italy, and Australia could probably get through in this group? I'm not yeah. disrespecting Jamaica too much here, but they are the fourth team in this group. The world, the world 53. I think yeah. they're, I think they're the um, bottom place. Yeah. I think ranked of all. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, I'm just trying to yeah. look it up yeah. right now, actually, and just see what we've got uh, there. Like, uh, I, think I, I, just, I think Australia beaten beaten or not lost to Brazil in their last five meetings. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, look, Australia are you know expected to win. And look, I think it's fair enough to say if they, as you guys were talking about, if they don't go through in top spot, I'm still quite bullish on their chances. Obviously, they've had a bit of a comeback down to earth moment in the last 12 months, but even so, I still feel like this side is, look, I get that they're not favourites, that's the USA women, but I do feel like they're a pretty good chance of actually winning here. They've tremendous chance of being in the last four. And when you get to the last four in any tournament, there's a l- bit of luck involved. Look, we, we're in terms gonna... of who you play and how you play on the day, it's a bit of luck involved once you get there. And Also, finishing top of the group is important because you could very well get a crossover against the third-place team. It just makes the crossover for the last 16 and more just, easy. Just one thing that's not on the run sheet as well that was also announced is that um, the Matildas will actually take on uh, USA in a friendly in Colorado on... I think it's April 5, I believe, or April 4. I'm Some... sick of playing US over there. Can't they come here for once? No. <laughs> come on. No, that's not in their contract. And we just hope that it goes a little bit better than the journey in uh, FIFA 19, because I felt really guilty having to knock out the Matildas <laughs> to, to finish the story. But that was just me. All right, so, yeah, we'll obviously get a, a little bit more into the World Cup as mm-hmm. it gets closer and closer. Obviously, I think we're going to try and have Angela on, because... She knows a lot about yep. this stuff, so yeah. we're going <laughs> to defer to her on that. Uh, the big story in the A-League right now is expansion. Now, there's, in true Brisbane Football Review fashion, by the time you're probably listening to this, there will be an announcement about the uh, way the A-League yep. is going to expand going forward. But unfortunately, we're kind of working blind right now. <laughs> yes, as of the time we're recording, no teams have been confirmed as added at this point. We're still waiting to see who they yep. are, but... Expecting an announcement Thursday morning? Yeah. So, probably by the time I wake up tomorrow, we'll know who the two new teams are. I'm still backing that it's going to... I'm still backing it's going to be Canberra and Team 11. Uh, just a pure gut feeling there. And, well, I've kind of changed. Feeling, I think it's going to be Team 11 and MacArthur, Southwest Sydney. Well, I think Canberra's just going to be that team that just misses out. I think the fact that Southern Expansion were encouraged to merge with Southwest Sydney over the weekend kind of tells you that that's the preferred bid in Sydney, and I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's entirely possible. One thing that I'm actually... So wait- they've also got the um, Campbelltown Stadium. Yeah. They could start immediately. 
Yeah, there was a story that uh, my boss actually sent to me last week, which I wish I could remember who it was by, but they actually went through all the bids and basically said, like, if the A-League series, it's the clubs that have got uh, ready-made stadiums are going to have the leg up in this. Yeah, and, that, and that's and that's important. And I think um, I wouldn't rule Canberra out um, entirely. But I think that they're like I said, the fact that they've got already got you know the W League team who are very successful, uh, the youth team not so successful, but I think they're a work in progress given that they're very very young. Mm-hmm. And unlike the other A League clubs in the youth league, they don't have senior players that can play down. So they're obviously a work in progress. Um, they're backed by all the associations in capital football. Um, and they've got the remade stadium, GIO Stadium. So I think those criteria alone, um, I think that would put them in good stead. As far as the Melbourne bids go, I think Team 11 just over uh, Western... Western Melbourne, but I think again, I think the key to Team Eleven is the stadium deal Oops. and whether the Victorian government I, will. I just want a decision. Just speaking of the same thing, I did. I can't remember where I still is. The Team Eleven is likely to play at an AFL stadium. Yeah, it's K- like it's, Casey Fields. Yeah, so I think the AFLW plays there as well. So mm. it's a reasonably updated facility, but it's a rec- it's an oval. It's not ideal. That's where they're going to play until obviously their new facility is built. Yeah, well, that's that is obviously one thing that he's going to have to. Where, whereas. Whereas Western Western Melbourne, who will self-fund their stadium if they get in, will actually play at uh, whatever Cardinia Park is called these days, um, GMBHA or something or other. The in Geelong, yeah, yeah, in Geelong, yeah, yeah. So, I look. I, I'm still bracing for a little bit of a curveball here, where I could see one team from each market getting conditionally approved, but they're not going mm. to announce the full entry process for another month. I think that... I could, think they're delaying it till 2021? No, I think it's just going to be more of, we're going to have two of, and this is just purely hypothetically, mm. so two of Canberra, Team 11, and MacArthur, South West Sydney, or whatever, coming in in 2019-20, and, and they're going to make that announcement mm. next month. Can't leave it much longer to announce it, though. No, but they need to start recruitment if they're going to come just, in. Just bear with okay. me, all right? So Definitely. they're going to have those. We can say we've got two of those three coming out with the third team, and that could also be influenced by stadium deals and whatnot as well. Uh, the third, we're going to have a third team locked in for 2021 and open up another round of bidding to some of the other clubs that maybe dropped out earlier in the process to make it a 14-team league by 2021. I think the important thing, where the announcement is uh, tomorrow by, I think I think Chris Nicku will be the one that will make the announcement, mm-hmm. um, or at least head it, um, is that this is not the end. Like you, I think the fans not only want to know who the identity of the two teams are, they also want a roadmap beyond 2021. Yeah. So it's, all, it's all well and good saying, okay, these are your two teams, and then we don't talk about expansion for another 10 years, because yeah. that's that would be so counterproductive. Yeah. Um, also, as well, I think the other factor we've got to consider is would, say, for example, the likes of a sudden expansion or one of the other um, unsuccessful bids with the Wellington Phoenix license conditional and probably, look, we, we could say that now unless things really drastically change over there, could be up for grabs in a year or two time, would that be a way into the A-League as well? Ooh. So that's another sort of you know, curveball that could be thrown The new in. board may have a different view on Wellington Phoenix as well. Yeah, that's well, entirely possible as well. I like the sound of the MacArthur South Southwest Sydney Phoenix. <laughs> just saying. But yeah, that's like that's the other thing also is there have been calls to try and just say let's just go for four teams from this group of six, but I honestly cannot see that happening. There's only three fact, markets. Yeah, well, th- yeah, that's it. Yeah, you, lo- you love just reading my mind, don't you? 
But no, to Adam's point earlier, you want to get to 12, then 14 and 16 as, as well, ideally. So you, you want to keep the expansion thing continuing on even after tomorrow. You can't just push it aside after this. It's got to be a continual thing, 14, 16, and even potentially a second division after that. Yeah. This has got to be a continual discussion. I do think they need to be thinking forward. I'm still not convinced that a second division is going to work because the Australian sporting public is, by and large, fickle. Mm-hmm. But like, I'd much rather see them develop a fully functional 18-team competition and then we can't complain about a 16 final series. Why, because it'll be a 12-team final series? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm having a very uh, good day with those shots. Yeah. I am. Yeah. So, yeah, we were hoping that we'd actually have an announcement to talk about, but unfortunately that's pretty much it for our news segment. So we might uh, cut our losses here and come back and preview the weekend's A-League fixture. So we'll be back after this. This is Brisbane Football Review. You're listening to the Brisbane Football Review. We'll be back after this. Yeah, for us, um, you know, we'll get back to what we do best, and um, you know, we'll, we'll press and we'll fight. Um, you know, that's got to be the cornerstone of, of what we do. Um, we didn't do that against Newcastle, so that's got to be that's a must for us. Um, and then, yeah, we've got to play our own way. We're going to, um, you know, negate their strengths and 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 try and pound on their weaknesses. So. Um, you know, the coaches always prepare as well. Um, we'll get ready and um, we'll find a way through and, and we're going to score goals. So that was Brisbane Raw captain Matt Mackay to open up segment four here on the Brisbane Football Review. It's James Scott and Adam. And as you probably guessed, we're going to preview this Friday night's big clash with second place Melbourne victory. It's the best intro we've had ever. Is that because I didn't say anything? No, it's club captain giving the intro to the segment four. That's... Can't beat that. Yes, yeah, so, as long as we don't have to pay him royalties or anything. <laughs> no, we should say thanks to the Raw for yeah. the audio from yesterday's press yeah. conference. There you go. And, the payment. Yep. Well, due credit, <laughs> we we were all busy, you know, with our day jobs. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah, pretty much what Mackay was saying there is, like, the side still has plenty of faith in their ability to pull off a win here against a Melbourne Victory side who have looked really good in the last five weeks. They've been very, very good Melbourne victory. The fact that they've brought in such high-quality players late in the off-season and got them firing this soon. I mean, Toivon has played, what, three games or whatever it is? and Three goals in four games, whatever it is. I mean, yeah, they're in very, very good form as a team right now. And KSK Honda is just yep. still very, very good despite his advanced years. Yeah, look, the juggernaut of um, KSK Honda, Ola Toivon, and look, and actually... I like how a third player in the mix just really seems to be, you know, growing, you know, growing by day with this combination is Terry Atonis. He has been absolutely superb, you know, you know, being fed balls by both Honda and Toivonen. And, and look, he, he is the key to all, and even Costa Barbarusas to a point, I think, is also starting to gain confidence. So that, that in itself, that's a very, very scary prospect if they get it right and the raw defence doesn't get it right. That being said, though, like, doesn't this have a little bit of a feel of a upset coming, though? Maybe. Possibly. I, I mean, it's entirely possible that it could happen, but the form victory is in. They're also very solid at the back. Yeah. So, it's, so they're a very well-rounded team this year, and I think they're, they'll probably end up winning the Premiership again, turn the Premier's plate, because I think they'll catch both. I can see that. Remember the, I mean, they're still gelling this front third of victory, and they already look scarily good. I mean, give them another three or four months by the time the finals come out. I think they're going to be I'm, almost unbeatable. I'm pretty at that sure point. after seven rounds, they've got the best attack and the best and the equal best defense yeah. in the league. And that's after seven rounds. And like, so they haven't had the full use of Toivonen. You know, they're, they're still, they're still sort of putting together. Like 
got James Troisi also, the, yep. another one who's got to come into this thing. Like, it's just, to back up your, just to back up your oh, stat there, Adam, uh, 16 goals scored, 7 goals conceded, which is best in the league in both categories. Yep. So, look, I think every Raw fan has a right to feel nervous about this game, yep. but doesn't, like, I, I just can't get out of my head the fact that everybody's acting like a Melbourne victory win is a near certainty. And I think, as we've seen in football, there is no such thing as a near certainty. No. Or a certainty. No, I, look, I think given given the sing criticism lost two in a row, albeit away from home, look, I think this, there's, you've got to expect that, you know, there will be some sort of backlash from the Raw. Um, you think you'd they'll come so. out hard? You'd hope so, yeah, because then everything that we said in segment one about, about sort of application and all that, of this, the, in the mentality of the side, you question, if they can't get up for this, yeah. and, you know, and they get, if they get, if they get blown off the park trying, that's one thing. But if if they're going to be static and disinterested and you know basically almost running scared of this victory team, then you know what this club's in bigger trouble than we thought. Yeah. But for me, this does come down to the Raw's ment- like mental yeah. approach to this game. Like if they come out out of the blocks firing and can really put Melbourne victory on the back foot. Yeah. And based on some of the comments that we've seen this week, I think there is a little bit of wounded pride there that they do want to try and fix. Now, I want to throw to a couple of uh, quotes from the press conference. Like with a couple of the senior players talking about the state of mind, we're going to start off with Jamie Young. Look, we've got the bit between our teeth. You know, I think um, we're, look, we're looking to strive for something, you know, and it hasn't gone our way. And, and so we want we want to do well. We're a highly motivated group. And, um, you know, this week is a great opportunity for that. And this is what Matt Mackay had to say as well. Uh, there's no panic. Uh, I think this, the last two weeks we've, we've had good performances and not got results. Um, so... It's just about a collective working together again. Um, you know, there's no point. You know, what, seven games into a season, it's 27 games. So it's not panic stations. We're we're going to get in. We're going to do the work we have to do. Um, you know, our coaches are brilliant in, in preparing us for games, and it's now on on us to to perform. But we're all in it together, the whole club. Um, you know, we've got the players, we've got the support of of the office staff. Um, you know, we support them in what they do as well. So. Um, this club, we stick together and, and we're going to fight and, and get to where we belong. So it seems like the Raw really do, uh, really are going to adopt that siege mentality to try and back what, as we discussed in segment one, is an under-fire manager right now. So I suppose the question is, Scott, do you have any faith that they're going to be able to come out and really put together a performance that we've been waiting to see from the Raw for the first two months of the season? I have faith that at home they're going to be super competitive as they have been Forever, really. Outside of the game against Sydney FC last year when they were outplayed, but I think they'll be highly competitive again at home. I think victory will come and play well, but I think the rule will be in the in the game. I don't think it's going to be some massive blowout score that a lot of people are predicting. I think it'll be closer than that. If they can get a point from this game it, like, and actually match victory yeah. for the intensity and everything, then I think that's going to go a you long way. You mentioned the mentality. The mentality of the team I've never questioned. It's sometimes the physicality of the side, particularly last season. So I think... I think mentally they'll be fine. See, I actually, so I've actually just questioned more the execution and focus. Where I think we've seen the talent there, yeah. and it's just a case of can they put it all together, and are they get, able to get on the same page? Look, I agree with you, James, on that. And, we, and, we, and I mentioned in segment one that I don't think there's a deficiency as far as the defence. I think it's just switching off. Yeah. There's lapses, you know, switching off at set pieces or not reading the play. I don't think that there's there's too much of an, an issue there. Um, it's not like that's the thing is that you look over this, even though they've only won one game, one game, you know, this season. It's not like they've been blown off the park every single time in terms of scoreline. It's only been two goals max. 
So it all means that there's you know one or two lapses, and that's at the moment that's the difference between you know getting a point or winning and you know and losing. So we don't want to go back to to segment one. You mentioned they haven't been like blown out a lot, but there's been stretches in games where they have been. Remember, particularly away to Western Sydney and Mudgee, they were two 0 down. It could have been four or five. So there's been stretches of games. So the where fact they that they didn't, they didn't have been able, they didn't to. get blown off the park. Yeah. Now that, that potentially a game that where a team is struggling and just not up to the task, mm-hmm. that could have been four five five nil and Mudgee by halftime. Yeah. The fact that they got back to two one halftime, two all, you know, in the fifty something minute. There's still something to say. I don't. I just don't think, as as Matt McKay said in the piece, I don't think it's panic stations just yet. It's just they're missing a result and a result or two favourable, and all of a sudden the whole crisis becomes to oh we're back in it. I'm still reaching out for the button, that famous yeah. panic button. I'm still reaching for it. All right. So I do want to touch on possible squad changes this week. So this is coming from uh, stories that have been published online. I think uh, I don't want to lay. The- lay them specifically at one person because I'm drawing a blank right now. But um, three names that have been thrown out as possible players who might be dropped to the bench. Toby Mickelson, Jack Hingett and Connor O'Toole. Which, would you consider making any of those changes? And if so, who for? I'm going to start off with Adam, actually. Look, I think uh, Toby Mickelson. Um, look, not because of anything he's... He hasn't probably... I'm not saying that he's been playing bad or anything like that, but I just think they have more options in that midfield where you know what, you can rotate, you can play. Now, I, I actually think, you know what, John Elwes at some point, he has to gamble on Dylan Wenzel Halls. You know, we, we want to see what this kid can bring, and I think that's where, and like I said, I've been, I have been sort of in the past couple of weeks saying, no, limit him, limit him, limit him. But you know what, I think now's the time where you've got to start gambling. Scott, you're shaking your head. I'll believe that when I see it. Oh look! I'll believe it when I see it. I think that's Mickelson... why he's the coach, and I'm sitting here yeah. doing this. I also, I think Mickelson. You say that like it's a bad thing. You're sitting here. <laughs> it's a cool to see at the moment, anyway. But mm. yeah. I think Mickelson. Yeah. <laughs> I think we'll Mickelson will probably. I think on recap might go out to the left hand side with Taggart coming back in up front. That's one thing that'll probably happen. I don't think there'll be too many other changes to be honest no. with you. I'll, no, Stefan Mork. If if the concussion oh, is he... cleared, he'll come in. For probably for Matt McKay in the midfield as well. So that's probably the two changes you'd be looking at oh, yeah. for, yep. for yep. this weekend. Him. Yep. And then on the bench, probably Daningham probably makes way for um, Matt McKay. But I think as far as the R2, Hingen O'Toole, I think look, they're safe at the moment. Um, look, Stefan Negro, you know, he didn't have... He had a solid game in Youth League on on Saturday, but I don't think it's enough where you could say that you know he would be in for preferred to Conor O'Toole. The other thing we have to factor in, it's a short week, and also Daniel Bowles went off... Newcastle, we don't know how he is with the knock he picked up, if he's going to be okay or not. So, so we could even wind up seeing Luke Devere back in the centre of defence, or Jacob Pepper. Yeah. So there we go. Now, one other news story that I meant to add to the run sheet today when it okay. came out is actually probably worth mentioning. Uh, stay tuned to our social channels, obviously, because there is a bit of a threat of this game, according to Marco Monteverde and Dave Davudovic from the uh, News Corp, saying that with the remnants of Tropical Cyclone Owen set to come down the coast and give everything a good drenching. 2.0 Owen. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. It is actually. Uh, there is actually a chance that this game may wind up getting cancelled or, or get, at least getting postponed. So, question is, what would you do, Scott? Uh, well, I've got to make a decision pretty soon, obviously, because Victory... Thursday will, morning. Victory will be flying at some point Thursday to get here. So, obviously, if the game's cancelled or postponed, they don't, they don't want to get on the plane. So... It just seems odd to me. It's all the way up in Cairns Townsville area to me. I'd, I'd, I would have thought it would be okay, but you're telling me that because there's a pressure coming from down south as well, 
it's it's could cause chaos. So if it's that's going to happen, you might as well just call it early. The, the fact that they're actually considering, and this has gotten yeah. out the FFA, because obviously they've got a. Uh, forecast from the Bureau of Meteorology that is not favourable. Now, I think yeah. I did hear 85 to 90 mils, which, you know... In, which is the, actually yeah. in line with the rough amount that I think we got back in 2015 when they had to postpone that Raw Victory game as well. That's yeah. right, that was because of the remnants of a cyclone up north as well. Yep. Yeah, so I, there is actually precedent for it to happen. The one thing that I could actually argue in favour of a possible postponement... in if it's made in the interest of safety, if it's just going to be a bit wet at Suncorp, we'll deal. Yeah. Um, I know, we will. <laughs> yeah, you two will. Uh, you might not. Well, we'll see. So much. Anyway, um, yeah, is the fact that it is only round seven and there are still probably going to be plenty of weekends down the line that this game could be rescheduled for. You could also, if potentially it's a Thursday, Friday type of situation, you could probably play it Sunday, which I think was one possible scenario they mentioned. I mean, that would work quite well. Although you'd, yeah, also they, have the W League game on Sunday at at Lions Stadium, and also, and also the game games. with Fox. So, yeah. but not that. Like I so said, there has been precedent before yeah. where they've they've played games on the same time you now when they've had to. Yeah. Um, look, I wouldn't like even a Monday night postponement moment, well, which no. which may which may sort of yeah affect <laughs> crowd numbers. But if for the sake of game, the the one concerning thing is the W League game. If that the threat of that being postponed, yeah. given it's such a short season. Um, given that, you know, like so you've got to remember, these women are not fully professional. Yeah. So it's not like you can just jet up to Wednesday on a Wednesday to play this game. So that would be the the, the more scary thing. They threat. also play Thursday night in the W League as well. So they have a short turnaround. Th- some Sunday to Thursday anyway. So yeah. for them moving it like that back is not really an option. Yeah. yeah. This would have been a perfect weekend for a uh, A-League doubleheader at Suncorp, but that's another story. Could end up being one, you never know. We'll yeah. see. So yeah, stay tuned to our social channels like uh, Facebook, Raw Review, Twitter, uh, at BNE Football and send us an email if you've got any I comments. I did see they might have made that decision tonight. So when it's when that decision is confirmed, either way, no doubt we'll share it out. So Absolutely. That's going to be it for this edition of the Brisbane Football Review. Scott, Adam, thank you. Yeah, Good thanks, to see boys. you again, James. You'll pick, yourself, you'll pick yourself up after that loss on Sunday? Yeah, they're going to Pittsburgh. They'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, get out and enjoy the football this weekend. You've got yeah. a lot of games to take in. And I suppose most importantly, stay dry. We'll be back next Wednesday.